there's a ton of advantage for being a passive investor. You're spending hours and hours in the industry. I'm spending hours and hours in the industry. You don't have to do that. You can be on vacation and the income can be coming in. That's what passive income. It's people like us who make it possible for our partners out there. So passive is great. Welcome to Surgeon Syndicate. If you're paying attention, you know that you only make money when you work. It might be great money, but it's dependent on you. The information on this podcast will help you solve that. We interview experts and provide analysis into financial freedom through commercial real estate. Why? To help physicians like you thrive. Let's dive in. Welcome to the Search It Syndicate. Today, our show is the second half of our conversation with Dr. Sanjay Sharma. If you missed the first half, please go back and listen to it. There's some great stuff in there, especially on mindset and the five freedoms. What we're going to talk about today are SDUs and some of the benefits of actually you can draw out of properties when you're looking at investing passively. But let's start with the SDUs. Sanjay, please, what is an SDU? Yeah. Or, so an ADU is an ADU. Oh my goodness. I totally messed that up. I'm a doctor. I should get my acronyms right. So I told you it was something that was new to me. So the ADU. So the ADU is accessory dwelling unit. So it's something that we're familiar here in Southern California because there's a big lack of housing. And so you have an option, right? You can build new buildings, but you don't have land. For us down here, we got the ocean on one side, mountains on the other side. So you can't expand. Okay, fine. You can tear down, but that's whole expensive and build big buildings. That's kind of not a realistic model. So there's accessory dwelling units. So how do you take a property and add legal living spaces on it. Okay. So for some of the people at one time or another, maybe when they were a teenager or in college, they lived in their parents' basement. Okay. But what if you turn your basement into an apartment and rent it out? You can legally do that and it's called an accessory dwelling unit. What if you take your garage and convert that into a one bedroom apartment that has plumbing and a kitchen and a bathroom? That's accessory dwelling unit. What if you have space in the backyard where you can build a building or build like one or two units, that's an ADU or an accessory dwelling unit. At least in California for ADUs, I believe it's a state law. I know I'm going to screw this up where um, every city based on their own jurisdictions are required to allow ADUs to be built. So back when I did it, it wasn't as common. Now it's a lot more common. What does that mean for a value add real estate investor is you can buy a building and you can say, hey, if I can get $3,000 a door or $3,000 a unit and I own two units, what if I built a third unit? And so now you're getting an additional $3,000, $3,000, $3,000, now you're getting $9,000 a month. And secondly, when you're building the ADU, you're building in that cost. It's not necessarily, granted, these are Southern California prices. You may be paying a million dollars for that duplex. But the ADU in back might cost you $200,000. For much relatively lower expense per door, you're adding units and you're increasing the value of that particular property. So that's what ADUs are. They're really common nothing. It's an interesting thing in California. So the, the state made a law saying that cities can't say no to ADUs. There are restrictions that can happen, like there's HOA rules and then Certain cities will make it easier. Certain cities will make it harder to build ADUs in terms of permits and all that kind of stuff. So it's not just a blanket statement that everyone is 
got their shovel in their backyard and they're, you know, building a unit right now. Well, that's interesting because I was in Salt Lake City and I was dropping my daughter off for college and speaking to somebody who's lived in Salt Lake for like 20 years. And it's a city that's seeing prices go up and the Mm -hmm. urban sprawl because they have space north and south there that the city's expanding, but they're starting to run out of room close to the city center because they're stuck between two mountain ranges. And they tried, I guess, and I don't know for certain, but that they really wanted to do an ADU law to encourage it to increase population density within the city and solve some of the housing shortage. But there was a lot of pushback and it didn't go through. Hmm. Have you seen in some of the other markets you're in, is this a growing trend? Because I keep hearing about it in Southern California. Yeah. So what have I seen outside of Southern California? I mean, you see it in the higher density cities definitely more often than other places. I mean, the concept of building onto a property is always there in terms of the legal stature and a statewide covenants, I think is less common. And, and in the commercial space, you guys see that, right? You may have a large square footage property and like, hey, let me split this in two. That's a similar concept. You know, how do we get more units out of the units that we have? Yeah, that's a similar big, concept. Yeah, it's a similar. You see that a lot now in the retail space with the malls from the 1980s. And cities typically will have for retail minimum number of parking spaces per square foot of retail space. And Mm -hmm. they're looking now and saying, well, people aren't driving as many cars or we want people to take the bus. You'll see a lot of the malls that were struggling now, where it used to be the mall set back and there's a giant parking lot. Well, now up against the street, you have smaller strip centers with more fast food restaurants Mm -hmm. and places that are run in and out real quick rather than go into the mall. And I think it's breathed a lot of life into the whole mall because now there's Mm -hmm. more traffic and businesses are coming back into the mall. But it's kind of that same idea. I thought it was interesting. I went to school to college in Boulder, Colorado, and it was the first time I saw in the central part of Boulder, close to the college, there were no backyards anymore. And in the bigger lots, either they'd taken the old house and just built apartments all the way back, or in some of the nicer neighborhoods, they just put a second house off the alley. And so you had a smaller city yard instead of the bigger yard, and it just added extra units. So that was a real interesting one. So the other thing you had talked before about in our last conversation about you know, you don't always go to check out a syndication. When you were pass- investing passively, did you ever go to the site or go and personally mm-hmm. talk to the syndicators? Okay. So your question was passively investing, kind of how much due diligence you do. Do you physically look at the site? Before we recorded this podcast, I was talking to one of my investors and he told me he drove to the apartment complex and he drove around the city and he checked it all out. He's the only one that's done that. And I was really impressed. I was like, oh, wow, you're the first one out of all my investors who actually did that. That's amazing. So when I'm investing, I recognize the deals. I know the sponsors and I trust their processes and I know what their business plans are. So I don't necessarily physically drive out there. You asked me if I have ever done it. And the answer is yes. 
in that medical office building we did, I used to drive there and it wasn't too far away. I used to drive it and check it out and see kind of what was around. And yes, I did talk to the syndicators, like the generals. And, you know, it comes to your level of comfort. I mean, the deals that I do, I'm the syndicator or I'm working directly with the syndicator. So I know them very well. And my investors know me very well. And so it's kind of like that direct connection. It is different than an active investment, right? When you talked about when you bought your fourplex, you were in there. You were probably there when the inspector was there. You were talking to your property yeah. management, unless you were managing it yourself. You probably knew and driven by the place and they were like, son of a gun, these guys don't take the trash out on Friday morning like they're supposed to. You know all those stuff. <laughs> As a passive investor, you don't know any of that. It's the returns. And then you recognize that the returns are based on an asset that exists and the operators are experts in what they're doing. I just had this thought while you were talking. I met somebody once and they said that they like to invest passively in some properties in different parts of the country. Part of mm -hmm. that is giving yourself some geographic diversification for risk sure. mitigation. But the other part was, this is not tax advice, check with your tax professional, is mm -hmm. they like to invest in projects and places they like to go. So mm -hmm. they would invest in an apartment building oh, in Miami. Got it. Yeah. And then once a year, they oh. would fly to Miami, spend a few days, meet with the syndicator, tour the property, and we're able to then write off a certain amount of that trip against their investment yeah. income, I believe was their plan. So I thought I was like, wow, that's brilliant. Especially, yeah. you know, I don't I like think, it. again, not a tax professional. I don't think you can take a yeah. week vacation and try and write the whole thing off. But if whatever percentage of your trip was allocated to doing that type of work, I believe, again, check with your accountant. But if you like taking short trips and you're like, okay, yeah. I got a place in Miami I go to visit and a place in San Diego. And, I, don't know. I like the creativity, <laughs> but you're right. I'm not an accountant. I don't know what's, what's legit or not, but I love it. I love the idea. Just get out and give yourself a good reason to go and see those people. So. Well, have you ever been on like vacation somewhere, you know, and the mood's great, the family's super happy, just everything. And you go in a gift shop, you're like, oh my God, you know, that picture of that fluorescent dolphin jumping through the rainbow would look great in the house because you're on vacation <laughs> or whatever it is. And you come home, you're like, what the heck were we thinking? I like the idea is that you're going on vacation in Miami. And you're like, wow, I would love to own real estate here. I'm going to go buy that. I'm going to be a syndication. That's probably a better use of your <laughs> funds and your future than the painting you're going to buy instead. <laughs> there you got to be careful about how much your uh, spouse or your kids are on board when you're like, oh, check out the strip plaza. It's 70% <laughs> full. And that for lease sign looks like it's been there for months. I got to call like, on this Can we place. go swimming? Can't we just go to the pool? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I love it. Dad, not again. But isn't so. it funny as a real estate professional and what we do? We notice those things. Son of a gun, like, it's just like, to me, it's just like, it's right in your face. How do you not notice it's right there? I don't know if it's good or bad. It, before I went to medical school, we talked about our past. I was a ski instructor for close to a decade. And it was this thing there, ski instructors would make fun of each other because regardless of where you were, especially after you'd been doing it for a while, you see people skiing and you could look at your friend and you could see this analysis going on. And you're like, dude, turn it off, man. We're having fun right now. 
oh, that guy, he's doing this thing. Yeah, it's uh, the same thing. You start buying commercial buildings wherever you go. You're like, oh, yeah, that's a <laughs> that's a good one. I like this uh-huh. city. I wonder what the demographics of this neighborhood right, are. Right, right. <laughs> you type up citydata.com and you're like, <laughs> yeah. I know so, what you mean. I totally know what I you guess mean. there's an advantage to investing passively is you don't maybe get sucked down that rabbit hole and you can just... Yeah invest and you can still go on vacation without it creeping into your family fun time. So oh, for sure. there's a ton of advantage for being a passive investor. I mean, the fact that we're on this podcast right now, and you're putting on the podcast, you're spending hours and hours in the industry. I'm spending hours and hours in the industry. You don't have to do that. Like you're saying, you can be on vacation, you can be seeing a patient, and the income can be coming in. And that's what passive income. It's people like us who make it possible for our partners out there. So yeah, passive is great. That's a great point. Okay. As we're getting close to wrapping up, if somebody asked you, said, Sanjay, I want to start investing passively, what is the best use of my time to begin educating myself? What would be the number one resource you would send them to? I would say the number one resources is, I'm going to make it twofold, is getting to know people like you and I, because we we're passionate about what we do. We take the time in terms of talking to people. You can follow us on our websites and on our podcasts and on our social media to learn what we do. And then lastly, jump into it. And like you were describing, that's how you're really going to learn. And when it comes to syndications, like you had talked about earlier in terms of, well, actually, no, you talked about syndication. So some people talk about buying active real estate, and then you kind of learn the ropes as you go along. And I have a lot of investors, kind of first-time investors, where they come to me and they say, Hey, you know what? I want to try this out. I want to see what it feels like. And what they're actually saying is they want to feel what it's like to be comfortable writing a check in something that they feel is a good investment for 50000 or whatever it may be. Because when you do a syndication, you see the big returns kind of at the end. And usually my investors are repeat investors, not every five years, but much more frequently. And so that's the act of doing it. So the resources, talk to us, specifically me. You can find me. Obviously, they can find you and learn about it. There are courses in the MD world where you can enroll and be part of. And I think those are great ways to learn. And a lot of those courses, you know, it's funny, the first course I took, which kind of launched me into syndications and down this road after bought the fourplex and realized that it's going to take a lot of fourplexes to get me where I want to go. And I don't have that much time. It was the hardest thing to spend. I think it was $2,000 for this course. And looking back, it was like, oh my goodness, that was some of the greatest money I ever spent. And I've spent multiples of that on education since then. And maybe that's the dip in your toe. You find a course that is either online or somewhere you'd like to go anywhere and you spend a little bit of money and see how it goes and start down that road. So what would you say... If somebody's looking at a deal, are the top three things that if you saw would say, run away, don't touch them? Okay. So everything is based on safety. When I look at an investment, I don't look at the returns. I want to know the safety first. So these worlds, what you're talking about, floating short-term debts is very risky right now. I'm not going to say run away. I'll be a little bit controversial. I think you have to be very careful of development today. 
because we're in a different type of market and we don't know when that development project is going to be done, where it is in terms of the market. Third thing is, I mean, this sounds kind of dumb, but if you kind of have the heebie-jeebies from the sponsor, keep moving on. <laughs> so you get pitch deals all the time and I get pitch deals all the time. If it really doesn't make sense, that's kind of a heebie-jeebie moment for me. I mean, if it's you don't understand the asset class, you don't understand syndication, that's a different deal. But if you don't actually understand what they're doing with the business plan, then I would probably stay away. All right. What would you say then are the top three things to look for in a syndicator? Okay. So the reputation of the syndicator, by far. Everyone kind of knows everyone. So you need a good reputation. Two, the safety of the deal. And I look at that in terms of what their debt structure is what their occupancy and what the, the class of the building is. And then uh, three, again, probably go to the capital stack. Like, where's the money going? And that's a little bit more sophisticated and kind of understanding. And you earlier talked about a deal when there was mezzanine debt, which is a high on the capital cost. So basically what that means is when you own a building or think about your own house, where's your first dollar going to, right? That's going to your mortgage. So the same thing with any building. You have your mortgage to pay off. And sometimes you have a second mortgage. Sometimes then you may have mezzanine debt on top of it. Then you have your investors. Like, where do you fit? Where do you get paid on there? And if you're at the end and it's a somewhat risky deal, then it may not be the best place to go. So the first one you mentioned, reputation. So if I don't know anybody in this world, what would you say an efficient way to try and vet somebody? That's a really good question. And it actually brings me up to what you talked about earlier. When you were looking to invest, you were online trying to find people because you didn't know anyone. So there's big forums. There's bigger podcasts. They're bigger, not bigger pockets. Um, you can Google the people. I think those are the ways to do it. I mean, everyone has a trail nowadays. I mean, everyone has some sort of social media following that you can kind of start digging into. And you can kind of look up their history. And in fact, you have to. You have to do your due diligence about the person. Anyone can sound fancy. You know, anyone can sell you a used car. I think you just got to ask around. And if you're not getting feedback, stay away. If you're getting bad feedback, definitely stay away. That's interesting. If you're not getting feedback, because people who are doing good things for people and really care about their investors, people will rave about them. And mm. sometimes we all don't like to give bad feedback. So if somebody doesn't want to say anything about somebody, nobody ever holds back on praise. <laughs> that's true. But if you can't find somebody to say something good, that might be a question mark too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right, Sanjay. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. If somebody wants to get in touch with you, what is the best way? Yeah. So find me on LinkedIn. I'm there every day and I am there to teach you about real estate. I am there and I answer my direct messages. And I'd like to share with you books that I have. All right. We'll put all your contact, your website, and your LinkedIn information in the show notes so people can check there too. All right. Thank you so much for being on the show. Please, again, leave us a review. Tell us what you thought of the show, what you like and you don't like. That'll help us give you more of the good stuff. Thank you so much for joining us on Surgeon Syndicate. This has been an episode of Surgeon Syndicate. If you found value in this episode, you know other surgeons are hungry to become job optional. You can help them by sharing this content today. 
I also want to serve you better, so I want to offer you two things. Number one, I'll be able to give you the content in an even better way if you can take a moment and leave an honest review of the show explaining what you like and what you don't. Number two, if you are a surgeon and serious about this, you don't want to do this on your own because you don't want to make mistakes with your money. I'd be happy to help. Schedule a call. We can make a plan. Looking forward to having you with me on the next episode.